throws the stick out, and right after that, Brock Besser gets a shot from the left-hand side, but Jordan Biddington square to the shooter, easy save for him. Blues win the faceoff. Letty from behind his own goal, can't clear. Held in by Pedersen, who gloved it down near circle. It rolls away from him, and Hughes has it at the line. Wrist shot through traffic, blocked by a crowd of bodies in front. Buchnevich gets it out of the zone under 10 seconds left. Pedersen at center. Banks it back into the right wing. Garland after it, had it roll off his stick into the corner, and that is going to do it. As the Vancouver Canucks drop the first game of their seven-game road trip, 2-1. to one. At the hands of the St. Louis Blues, Robert Thomas with the game-winning goal in the third period. And the Blues were committed in this one. They brought it, a 60-minute game, and they were the better team over 60 minutes. But for Vancouver, there were opportunities where in the third period, whether it's Brock Besser, Niels Hoaglander, Teddy Bluger, an opportunity to take the lead. They just could not convert on those chances. Robert Thomas did. This is a final. Once again, the final score, the Blues 2 and the Canucks 1 for Randeep Janda. This is Brendan Batchelor. The Canucks Central Postgame Show starts right now. This is the Canucks Central Postgame Show. Behind the net for Dakota Joshua, the former St. Louis Blue. Now to Bluger, right corner to Garland to the slot. He scores! A one-time shot from the top of the circles, and Connor Garland gives the Canucks a 1-0 lead. Robert Thomas, left circle, passes right side. Pareko scores! A hard wrist shot from Colton Pareko goes off the post and in, and the Blues have tied the game at one. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Bushnevich on the boards. To the left point, now it's sent back, right circle, Thomas scores! Beautiful pass by Perunovic to find Thomas all alone on the right wing, and he beats Demko top shelf stick side to give the Blues the lead. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 2-1 on the road in St. Louis to kick off a seven-game road trip, and this is... The Canucks Central Postgame Show presented by the number 5 Orange, Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. And as always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And we are going to bring in Randy Janda into the discussion in just a moment. But a bit disappointing, i got to say. I didn't like the Canucks' overall effort level for the first 40 minutes. They were clearly the better team in the third. But not good enough from their top guys. You know, it's, you know, not generating enough quality. Um, you can look at some of the decisions made into the lineup for tonight's game, coming off a victory last mm-hmm. game against the Ottawa Senators. So I think there's a, a lot of criticism we can dole out after this one here. It, it, okay, they were the better team in the third, but were, was it representative of an effort enough to get back into the game? Like, was it a good third period by the Canucks? I, I, I don't think so. Good. It was, they're, they're the better team. They generated more. Sure. I, mean, the, I think the Blues but, had one chance and they scored but, on it. But was it enough to, A, tie the game back up, or was it enough to go win the game, right? Oh, like, well, tie the game, yes. I mean, so Gar- Hoaglander and Besser had wide open nets and both missed the goal from the hash mark. Right, but that's a bad thing. No, and I get it, but I'm saying you asked, like, did they have the opportunity? And I'm saying they clearly had chances to tie the game. They absolutely could have scored a goal, and they didn't score. Didn't finish on it. I mean, you can criticize it for not I finishing. I to take the lead, but yeah. I mean, if you um, score both, you take yeah. the lead. Uh, so... It's one of those things, you know? I, I, it was more, it, it was a fine Listen, third period. It's but... the same thing. The Blues were better than Vancouver in the first 40. Mm-hmm. It wasn't overwhelmingly that they were better. They just happened to be better. Doesn't mean they were good. They were just better. 
And I think Vancouver was better than St. Louis in the third, but not good enough, ultimately. It just didn't cross the threshold for me to go take a victory. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, all right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Let's walk, welcome in Randeep Janda into the discussion. And Randeep, I mean... Uh, it, it's not what we were expecting tonight, right? Like, the Canucks have done a really good job of, of rising to the moment for the most part. They've been ready for it. Didn't like how they played, of course, um, at the end of uh, 2023 when, you know, they, they, they lost. What was it the game they lost uh, against? Uh, refresh my memory. What was the game they lost before the Ottawa game, which they won? Uh, Philly. Philly. There we go. Bad, bad game against Philly. And we thought, okay, you know, the Canucks have shown that they're going to be ready to play. They weren't quite ready to play against Philly, outworked the whole game. And I thought, okay, you know what? This one, after not having good Final 40 last game and starting off a road trip, surely they'll be on top of their game tonight. And the answer was no. No, it was, you know, despite the opening two minutes where you get a goal from Connor Garland and kind of the identity you want where, you know, aggressive on that forward check, being tough to handle down low, it sets up well in the opening five minutes. That's exactly what you want to see. You have that line setting the tone, guys. But, you know, three areas for me, you guys were talking about the third period. The opportunities were there. You mentioned the uh, Hoaglander and Brock Besser opportunities. I'll give you another one, the Teddy Bluger three-on-two, where, unfortunately, he just can't get enough lumber on it. But great passing play by Dakota Joshua, Connor Garland. It's a great, you know, almost chance, but when you have opportunities like that in the third period, it's, you know, you, you're kind of kicking yourself at the end of the game to say, even though it wasn't the most complete game, even though St. Louis um, was more solid throughout the, the overall 60 minutes, you still had opportunities. But guys, to me, I think there's a couple of things here. And the first 40 minutes especially, and even in the third period when they allow that goal to Robert Thomas, uh, we've heard Rick talk it talk about you know sticky you know playing sticky and playing uh, difficult in that neutral zone in terms of making it difficult for the opposition. And I thought the Vancouver Canucks tonight uh, very easy to just go up and down the ice against them tonight. It started in the first period, and especially when that Jordan Cairo line and Robert Thomas and Buchnevich were on the ice, they were with those zone entries able to enter the zone rather easily and then set up. And, you know, once that happens, Cairo and Thomas are excellent at at finding that space. And Robert Thomas is a, a heck of a dual threat in the NHL where he's going to find players with passes. But if you give him that soft area and you let him kind of wander into the slot, he's very deceptive. And when he finds his way there, he'll make you pay. And that's exactly what happened. The goal by Pareko, similar area, looks cross ice, hits a guy that's coming downhill. And then later on in the 2-1 goal, it's he's kind of – you know, curls back into the middle of the slot and a very good find by Prunovic, but that's one of the things where you allow a team to come into the zone with speed, guys. Skilled players will make you pay, and that line did exactly that against the Canucks. Is this a game, too, where you look at, you know, some of the coaching decisions that maybe uh, came to roost in this one because they needed another dynamic uh, offensive player? Because Michael maybe no, I'm not saying he scores a goal, but they, they need a little bit of juice in the top six. And then, you know, Carlson's on the ice for that uh, last goal as well for Robert Thomas and maybe is, is part of the focus of why that goal went in. Yeah, on two fronts, they could have used offense um, from anybody, really, to be quite honest with you. It could have been the JT Miller line, could have been the Elias Pettersson line. But uh, w- this is one area I'm going to kind of focus on. With Kuzmenko, yes, the dynamic play is there. Uh, we've seen what he can do last year and this year in certain games as well. But, guys, on the road, uh, it's pretty clear that the trust is not there, right? Home games you're you're going to see him on the ice. You can control that with last change. In this game, uh, you're right. He might have been able to provide dynamic play, but at the same time, uh, it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, to, to reference 
uh, reach from earlier today on your show, Sat. It was a bit of a staring contest in a low-scoring game. Is he even seeing the ice in some aspects of this game, right? And um, that's why I think the lineup change is one thing. I think the players you have in that lineup are, you want more from them. So it's not necessarily the, was the right player on the ice. To me, it was, I think, there were certain elements of this game where forecheck has been talked about so much and outside of the third line and outside of a couple of moments here and there from other lines, uh, whether it was Carlson and, and Hoaglander, there's certain moments from JT Miller, it was just not regular enough, not consistent enough. So that consistency from period one to period two to period three wasn't there. Similar to the Ottawa game. The Ottawa game, it was 5 nothing after 20 minutes. Uh, you're happy. You can kind of chill with that. And I know there's um, some maybe some, in the coach's eyes, some coasting going on. But when you're in a game... Uh, when you're in a situation where the other team is desperate, they've been called out for their forecheck, they've been called out for their speed or lack thereof in the last couple of games, you know they're going to bring it. Uh, you got to match that. And Vancouver, for I would say 40 minutes tonight, wasn't able to do that, and they kept St. Louis in the game after scoring that first goal. So not really about Kuzmenko for me. I think you needed more from the players that were on the ice. I don't disagree, but I do think also, and this was my question, we talked about this on the pregame show, about do, do the the lines really make sense in terms of roles and expectations and how they're going to have success. We wondered about having two F1s essentially with Patterson Lafferty and uh, Ilya Mikheyev, very similar players. Where's the creativity? I mean, I guess, you know, to jumpstart things, you know, you can forecheck a bit better and, and do things like that. But you saw the lack of creativity, a lot of straight going to the net and throw the puck there and hope those guys out battle for position and didn't happen enough. And then Pew Suter playing with um, Miller and Besser. Neither one of those guys on the wing is, is a pure forechecker with speed. Suter has a lot of good things and qualities, but he's not the fastest guy. It's hard for him to be the guy who's going to be a dog on a bone every time and go and get a puck and stream down, scream down the, the wing and do that. So, so I do think in terms of putting the trios together up top, they got away from what they were doing last game, and I don't think it worked out. And not to say you blame the coaches for the loss, mm-hmm. but I think the mix didn't make a lot of sense, and, and they didn't really do much in the game. Yeah, the Pew suitor with uh, JT Miller and Brock Besser, that one to me, I, I do wonder how long that stays because I thought Elias Pedersen with Pew Suter for a couple of games just made a little bit more sense, right? You've got a straight line player in Mikheyev. You've got Pedersen who can obviously do what he does. But, you know, with Suter, uh, is that a little bit more chemistry five on five if you're going to elevate him into position? Uh, with JT Miller and Brock Besser, we know that they're, you know – like a very, you know, dump and chase heavy line. So does Pew Suter really make sense with that? Uh, I don't, I didn't see it tonight. Maybe this is a simply a give it another go. Uh, but these are some tough games coming up here, right? You got New Jersey right now, which plays a very fast game. And we saw what they did to Vancouver. If you don't play, uh, you know, if you get into a track meet with them or if you're not on your game, they'll make you pay. So there are some very important lineup decisions, but it's going to come back down to trust, guys. Uh, with Andre Kuzmenko, and his ability to stay in the lineup against good opposition about, you know, can you simplify your game? And yes, he's dynamic, but I, I still, I think Rick Tockett wants to see that that other layer to his game, uh, the other, maybe the understanding, situational awareness. Uh, that's something that's lacking, but you're right. Th- that top six, there are a couple of pieces that you got to move around and some of them are internal. And guys, we've talked about this before. There's some of them maybe external based on the fact that you're trying to find a real high-end player or somebody that can at least fill that gap temporarily. I think Suter is Suter is that player, maybe more so with Pedersen and Mikheyev rather than JT Miller and Brock Besser. You might call this positive spin, but if you're going to take anything away from this game is at least it provides clarity on what you probably need, right? We've been talking mm-hmm. about this for the past couple of games, Sat, that 
looking at this and you know they're not really built to come from behind either like they've had all the success leading after two periods obviously but you know tied after two uh they're two three and three trailing after two they're one and seven so far this year so they've they've had their issues sorry two four and uh uh, yeah, two, three, and three so far uh, tied after two. So it exposes that, like, hey, if you need to get back into a game, they don't really have that just yet. And that's why it's like this demand that we've talked about of go get this, you know, high level top line player if one becomes available, Randy. Yeah, I think the other aspect of this is, well, guys, last two games, uh, a total of three penalties in the Ottawa game, a total of, excuse me, two penalties in the Ottawa game, three tonight. So you're right in terms of, uh, battling back in games is not necessarily in the third period anyways is not a, a part of their forte but also as we move into the season and potentially there's more games like this uh, when you don't have power plays to, to rely on can you win those games can you win those tight checking games and they've done a great job but they're number one in goals for in the NHL uh, they're a top five team against in goals against that's going to tighten up those numbers are going to get a, a little bit uh, closer as far as teams tighten up too and for the 19th time this year the Canucks allowed two goals or less, which is great, but in in a loss, you start to find, okay, can you find a little bit more ice? And, you know, that need of of finding a a top six player that can create a little bit more space for one of your skilled players. And when I say that, I think more about the Elias Pettersson line to say, okay, can you give your dynamic player a little bit more room to operate? Um, On the JT Miller front, clearly, I think it would be in the best interest of the team to pick up somebody that can play down the middle as well. That's That's a player that gives maybe JT some options where you can put JT Miller down the middle or on the wing. So even though there are some, you know, temporary fixes here in the short-term few suitors, one of them Sam Lafferty is, there are a couple of things to say, okay, against a really good five-on-five line, which Robert Thomas's line is, he's one of the best point producers five-on-five, how did you fare? And there are some telling signs to say, okay, there are needs for some upgrades, especially on the wing spot. And I, I would say if there's a, I'm sure everybody out there has a wish list in terms of trades for the Canucks and how they can add to this this team, um, you know, a player that can play down the middle and the wing would be probably at the top of the wish list based on the fact that, you know, you need multiple centers in the playoffs and later on in the year. I'm, I'm all, I'm with you guys, right? And I have all the time in the world for discussions about ways to improve the roster and what guys to target. And we have a lot of thoughts of that and we'll talk about it. At the same time, you have a guy who was healthy scratch tonight, had 39 goals last year. Mm-hmm. And clearly, like he's not playing to their staples and you have to hold guys accountable. I understand that and everything. But when you need guys to score isn't part of the job to get the most out of this player the scratches don't seem to be working like what else do you have in your arsenal to get this guy on track and I wouldn't go as far as saying like benching Kuzmenko is you know cutting off your nose to spite your face like I don't think it's quite that you know what I mean but I wonder where it's going and does there need to be some sort of correction or reaction to try to bring this guy in somehow and get him going again because i don't think this whole healthy scratch thing is working anymore just and- really quickly randy sorry before you answer yep. that um i i'm curious about this too because our, our friend here josh Haley wolf tweeted earlier all the scratches for kuzmenko have been on the road yep is is that part of it of you know here's petterson tonight probably going up against the um but it's the blues no I, when i'm I, not talking I know, about we're I talking know, about the st louis freaking if, blues. If, if, if you're gonna go against the team's best lines on the road is is he relied upon defensively? Yeah, I mean, what was what is Linus Carlson doing tonight? Absolutely. Look, I, I, I'm not justifying, but I'm just saying is is the is the the thing that the resolution you're looking for is it a 
a thing that's on the road that you like the the church doesn't trust there. Whether we agree with it or not, I think that's a huge part of this, right? Trust is the the key part here. And guys, we've seen even this, you know, when he's in the lineup, and sometimes they have been in tight games or chasing games. There's been moments where Andre Kuzmenko's ice time. He hasn't seen the ice in the third period very much. So even though he, he, let's just say maybe he's in this lineup tonight, there's a chance that in the third period we don't see him very much because Rick Tockett has done that. So, you know, this is about molding identity. I know right now two points, uh, it feels like they got away from him because you could have had more, uh, you know, offensive output if you have Kuzmenko in there. But there's a certain style that this coach wants to play. And I'm with you at 39 goals last year. But, you know, the coach is really, really adamant on, hey, it's, it's good to put up goals when you're not a playoff team, but we want to play a certain style. So I get it. I, I think there's a way to bring him back in. I think there's a way to get more from him. But the stat about playing, not playing him on the road speaks volumes to me. That tells me that when those matchups in the top six are there for Elias Pettersson, and I'm not saying he's going to win all, all of them, but there seems to be a lack of trust to say, I don't necessarily see it there. Sam Lafferty's a little bit more responsible. He doesn't give you the high end. But you have more trust in that player to make a simple decision to get the puck deep or, you know, not try something in and around the offensive blue line that can go the other way. And that's on Kuzmenko to change. So I'm hoping he gets a, a look here in the next couple of games. But, guys, the opposition is tough. Mm-hmm. It actually gets tougher where you're playing against teams that are quicker through the neutral zone, that can hit you on the counterattack. So do you make that change there when – this probably would have been the game where it would have been a little bit more trustworthy, if you want to say that, compared to playing in New Jersey. Like, that's a tough, tough team if puck management is an issue. Well, moreover, guys, and, and like, I've pushed back on the idea that, like, you have to do this, solve this before the deadline. It's sad. I know you've been mentioning this year. He's got another year on his contract. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to get any easier. Like, you, you can't do this in the playoffs where it's like, well, we're nope. on the road tonight. It's game three or game one, so you're not playing tonight. Like, you, you can't do it then. So, Something has to resolve in theory between now and the end of the season. But doing this thing of just like, oh, well, we're on the road today, so we can't play you. That's That, to me, is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think with a lot of coaches, and guys, we want to say, hey, this is the time to experiment. This is the time to figure it out. Sure. But in a coach's mindset, two points are two points, and you're going to try to get those. So I think Rick Tockett has mentioned that he wants to experiment on certain things. Uh, the Kuzmenko one is is going to be interesting here because I do expect him to play in the next few games here as you've got New Jersey, the Rangers, the Islanders, and Pittsburgh coming up here. And those are not easy matchups. Those are, are matchups that they've got a loaded, every single one of those teams have a pretty loaded top six. So you're going to see tough matchups if you're Elias Patterson's line. Um, which one do you come in there? And, and that to me, like the New Jersey matchup for the Canucks going back a couple of years, I just don't like that because that's a, line sorry that's a team that you have to play extremely disciplined against you have to make the right puck management decisions so is it against them or is it a little bit later on uh, on this road trip maybe against the rangers yeah and you know there was a couple mistakes that cost i mean honestly i thought the first goal there wasn't and we broke this down in the in the, in the intermission i don't think there was a lot there like preco shoots it goes in like it's a nice shot he has a little bit of screen in front there's no breakdown that led to it the second mm-hmm. goal was a breakdown and it was Niels Ohm, sorry, it was Niels Oman's line, but Linus Carlson and uh, Niels Hoaglander ending up on the same side of the ice. And I, I know, Bick, you were also kind of looking at the deployment. It seemed like St. Louis saw something there and tried to take advantage of it. So I'm just trying to sift through this. It, it, just minutes through, uh, minutes before the Thomas line goes out, and they're out there against Bluger, Garland, and Joshua. And then four minutes later, when the goal goes in, it's that line out there again, and it looks like it went. The Pedersen line, then the Miller line, then back to the 
uh, Carlson line. So was there a moment where they kind of skipped the the matchup to, to get the, the Thomas line out there and you're out there against uh, the Carlson line? So a little mm. uh, nifty work there by the coaching staff. Yeah, Drew Bannister working it well. And listen, that line was solid, and so was the Braden Shen line, guys. Five on five, they had the number of uh, the top six, right? In terms of we see the goals for, but even just creating chances, uh, being dangerous. And that's where, you know, that breakdown you guys speak of on that second goal. It's also it's something goes that goes back a couple of years where, you know, if you're unable to get the puck out of your zone and both of these guys, Kairou and Robert Thomas, have the puck on their stick, they're going to make things happen. And, you know, with Thomas, I remember a couple of years back specifically, you back up off of him and you give him space, he will pick corners. And that's exactly what he did in that play where Niels Oman's a little late getting to plug up the middle and that burns you. So, you know, even against teams that, sure, they fired their coach, they've got a bit of an uptick here now, 6-3 and three in those games, uh, you got to bring it every single game. And in terms of deployment, going back to Kuzmenko for one second, uh, is there a way that, you know, Sat, you mentioned it, the fourth line, not exactly having a banner night. Is it of any benefit to bring him into the lineup where, sure, Lafferty maybe starts on the first line with Elias Patterson because you're wary of that that threat that a New Jersey or New York might have, mm-hmm. but you have Kuzmenko there. If you're chasing a game, that you can pop him up on power play one. Uh, you can pop him up on the first line if needed uh, because I don't necessarily think that he's trusted five-on-five five to play in those matchups, but at least you've got a dynamic player maybe playing on that further down the lineup, and then you can elevate him if he's going. Yeah, and I, I, honestly, I, I think if you're not bringing Kuzmenko in, I'd make a pretty simple switch. I'd put one of Lafferty or Mikheyev with uh, Miller and Besser, and then I'd put Suter um, up with Lafferty or Mikheyev with Pedersen. Now, yeah. on Pedersen, we have a lot of people texting in, criticizing Pedersen again, and, you know, not the best game from him. Uh, Jesse says, I've said this every year since his draft. Pedersen is not the answer, boys. Uh, JN Poco, who's very strong and, and saying hashtag not worth 11. Where's Sat Messiah when it matters? I was going to say, where's that part? Yeah, uh, getting knocked <laughs> off the puck and his skates and all that. I mean, so a lot of, and, and a lot of similar texts coming in about Elias Pedersen and, and his struggles. And fast Eddie Gregory did some fast math for us to look at how Elias Pedersen has played without Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, in the healthy scratches so far. And uh, it is five games, three points for Pedersen in those games. So, and again, yes. smaller sample, but just kind of bringing it together there. And there hasn't exactly been a prolific outburst scoring-wise for Pedersen when he's not playing with Kuzmenko or when Kuzmenko's healthy scratch, I should say. I, I should well, say. Well, here's the thing, right? We talk about today's NHL and how they work in duos. Uh, that has been the duo for the last year where Ilya Mikheyev, as much as he does, uh, he is a player that ideally – probably want him on your third line he's a he's a player that is you know probably best suited for that role as we saw in his final year in Toronto but he can do the job in the first line but is he a is he a member of a duo I don't think he's that player so you know until the Canucks can find an internal or an external alternative yeah Kuzmenko is going to be that player that is going to probably be a part of the answer guys but like it's it's about working your way into that conversation of, hey, part of it's got to be Andre Kuzmenko delivering a game that the coach trusts, but at the same time, yeah, the coach needs Andre Kuzmenko to to pick up his game and play well and his scoring touch. So I do wonder, is that going to be next game, though? And do you work him in slowly, or do you essentially say, hey, we're going back to the, the top line, and hopefully you correct your, your mistakes in, uh, in, in that uh, game? And, and, you know, it's a you don't want to get into a shot-for-shot game with the New Jersey Devils, and and that's where losing the puck in the neutral zone or not getting it deep 
that can hurt you. So we'll see. The Canucks do need a little bit of um, help on the offensive side of things. But, guys, prior to this game, they scored four goals yeah. in seven of their last 11 games. So goal scoring is is not necessarily a problem. It was tonight. Yeah. I don't know if it is moving forward uh, across the board, though. And, and you're right. I mean, so the Canucks coming into this game were 8-1-2 and two in their last 11. Now they're 8-2-2 exactly. two and yeah. two in their last 12, right? So it's like, and I know and people are texting in, too, and they're like, well, like Keith and Coquitlam, they're going to finish out of the t- uh, top three in the division. They're going to have a bad road trip. So people are already, you know, calling their shots. And I'm like, sure, fair enough. They lost two of their last three, but they only have two regulation losses in their last 14 games. And there's a lot left on this road trip. So I'm not trying to say, hey, break and break class we're at the break glass and case of emergency quite yet but considering how Bluger has played so far with Garland and uh with Dakota Joshua and again they were the Canucks best line especially in the first period generated a goal fantastic job from them yet again considering how they played and how Oman in that fourth line can whatever do their thing too when do you maybe throw Miller back on the wing with Pedersen and Besser, and then you can have Suter play on a line, and you can kind of have, you know, make Garland line the, the de facto second line, and can have a couple of checking lines, and perhaps get JT Miller with Pedersen and Besser to kind of create a little bit of fire, or I mean, real pressure and domination up front. Is that something you would think about getting back to doing at any point? I think, you know, if, it, if you're not able to score, if you're really looking for a dominant line, then that you need to kind of, you need a spark. Uh, I'd consider that later on, but you know, to your point, eight, two, and two, yeah, in the last twelve games, you've got still, you know, putting up goals, and there's certain games where, yes, the top six is neutral in matchups, or they're losing some matchups, and I, I wouldn't go back to that right now, just based on the fact that I think overall everything is good for the Canucks, and I know a lot of people are going to yell at me on Twitter and saying, "Good, what are you talking about? They lost in regulation." But the looking at you know the last twelve games. They've still been able to win, and they've still been, you know, powered by that third line, I understand, but that's all right. That's okay. That's a part of this conversation. We go back to Elias Pettersson. You know, he's been a point-per-game player going back uh, a few games, uh, you know, around 10 games as well, guys. So it's not like he's not putting up the points. JT Miller, uh, another guy that I know he hasn't scored much, but if you start looking at his point production, 20 points in the last 18 games. Uh, This is a, a group that is delivering and I wouldn't go to that line right now. Like, if we're talking at the end of this road trip that, okay, you know, they're having some goal-scoring trouble, potentially then, guys. But I, I, to me, it's a one game where they weren't hitting. Uh, you know, for some, it might be an extension of that Ottawa game for the final two periods. But overall, uh, their track record shows us that they step up. And what did I say in the pregame, guys? 11-2 and two coming off a loss. So uh, they've kind of built that track record to say, okay, if they have an off night, they usually bounce back. Yeah, and uh, hopefully the Canucks bounce back on the weekend. In Jersey, you're right, tough matchup. They haven't won a game uh, in Jersey against the Devils since, what, 2013, I believe it is? So it's been a good decade since we saw that, and hopefully they get get it back on track on the weekend. Randy, great stuff as always, man. We look forward to chatting with you again next week. Cheers, boys. Have a good one. Uh, that is Randy Janda calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We will get to some phone calls here before we hit the break. But before we do that, let's get to the text messages. And I'll start things off. And it's always fun when you get some uh, texture on texture violence in our text inbox. Uh, it's just the chirps. And tradition, traditional souk. Uh, taking a run at Jay and Poco says Jay and Poco's text te- Patterson chirps probably while he's wearing his Vertanen jersey. That guy guaranteed. So shots fired uh, in our text inbox. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess. 
When it's not being fired at us, we love yeah, to read those I, ones. <laughs> I like watching the Biden. Uh, Craig and Maple Ridge. Uh, hey, guys. Very frustrating game tonight. It's time to get Lafferty off of PD's line. It's a waste. Uh, we're, we're about to have what's probably going to be the highest paid player in the league playing with the guy who's, we got on waivers who was acquired for a fifth-round pick. But uh, these next two years are a window, while PD and Demko are on their cheap uh, contracts. Need to capitalize. Go Canucks go. That one's from Craig in Maple Ridge. There was a moment in the third. Uh, where I, I turned to you, and you know, Pedersen gets the puck, enters the zone, and it's McKayev and Lafferty crashing the net, and Pedersen just kind of has to pull up and just feather a puck yeah. there because there's so much traffic in the middle of the net. And you, it was a moment like that. I said, like, man, that's so uninspiring. That's so uninspiring where it's just two players that are doing what they need to do, right? Like, that's how Sam Lafferty and Ilya McKayev are going to succeed, right? They're going to be fast entering the zone and go right to the net. But an offensive possession where Elias Pedersen has to stop and just float a puck towards the – the area and hope McKayev can latch yeah. onto the end of it. That's just really uninspiring. It and, is. and we've seen that before. And he's kind of, you know, potentially dealing with some things there in December, but that's this thing, this, this need to go get a, a guy to go play with Elias Patterson. Uh, this text, uh, I think this one is coming in from, uh, I just lost the name here, uh, from Bill it says, what are you talking about? Go get a top six forward. How do you propose to do that with, by not moving, prospects or first round picks no thanks i think kuzmenko he's an elite forward clearly not playing target system but no way do we need to sell the future for this season so a little bit of pushback on that idea sat but here's what's funny it's like all all these options it's going to come down to one decision whether they do or don't or do something like this but it's 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 a really fascinating time as you get closer to march 8th and, and them trying to figure this out but we we sit here and and debate and like or dislike options the decision is going to be what's important here. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. And a lot of big decisions coming up. The team, however, starts the road trip on a loss, have six more games to go. And as we've seen from this team, the speed bumps have just been speed bumps. They haven't been these prolonged stretches, and we'll see if they can keep that going. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. A lot of crit- uh, pr- criticism for Pedersen. Where is PD? Not worth $10 million. Um, Others texting in. Um, this one's saying, Dean Abbotsford, I was confused watching EP40. Imagine how he felt. Get Kuzmenko back on there. Give Mike Yo a couple weeks off, please. Lines really upset the AHL call-ups. That's Dean Abbotsford texting in. Uh, but this one says, why are people mad at Petey? He had two goals last game. Jeez, guys. So uh, I don't get it. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, but that's what happens. Star players, big expectations, and sometimes big criticism. Uh, let's take a couple phone calls here uh, before we hit the break, and we'll start things off by going to G and Delta. G, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hi, good evening. Uh, tough loss, but no reason to panic. I have a hunch that Kuzmenko might have scored a goal tonight. I didn't like the fact that he was scratched. I also don't understand why there's not much uh, movement on, anymore on the power play. But on the other hand, the first uh, 32 All-Star players were announced today. I think it's a joke that the league is still implementing the rule that every team needs a rep. It makes it more of a participation medal game instead of an All-Star game. And I also don't like, because of this rule, J.T. Miller has always been snubbed, and he has never been to an All-Star game. So I plead to you, I plead to all the fans listening, please vote for J.T. Miller. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the phone call. G and Delta calling in. Well, you and I were talking about that uh, during, uh, not on air, but uh, during one of the periods, because uh, Quinn Hughes is the Canucks representative going to the All-Star game, well-earned, obviously. 
if uh, another Canuck is to go, because there's three goalies there. It's uh, Ottinger, Hellebuck, yeah. and Cam Talbot from L.A. are the three goalies. So maybe does that take Demko out of the running? I think so. I, my guess would be we see D, uh, JT go with Hughes, and they may just be the two all-stars for Vancouver. Maybe Pedersen gets into yeah. somehow, um, but um, that's because you have the three goalies already. I think we'll for sure see JT go, though. Top 10 in scoring. Quinn is gone. The Canucks are a top team. They'll have two representatives. So G from Abbott or uh, from Delta, you might get your uh, your wish there. That might happen. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to more of your thoughts, more of your phone calls. Plus, we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange. When was the last time you had a hall pass? And when did you, when did you last spend time with a real Vancouver legend? More coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Juleson collects the puck behind the goal and passes right wing to center for Connor Garland. Garland into the blues zone, throws on the brakes, top of the circle, rims it behind the net for Dakota Joshua, the former St. Louis Blue. Now to Bluger, right corner to Garland, to the slot, he scores! A one-time shot from the top of the circles, and Connor Garland gives the Canucks a 1-0 lead under two minutes into the game. And yet again, the third line of the Vancouver Canucks delivers. This time, Connor Garland finishing a strong play by Dakota Joshua in on the forecheck. Tell me if you've heard that before. Wins a battle behind the net, creates a cycle, and Teddy Bluger on the left of Jordan Bennington makes a centering pass to Connor Garland, who's crept up into the middle of the ice, finding a soft area. One-timer that beats Bennington, stick side. The third line delivering yet again to make it one nothing. Third line delivers, the rest, not so much. And that is tonight's play of the game, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Canucks lose 2-1 in St. Louis against the Blues. And it was Connor Garland getting on the board. Uh, we have a lot of text messages and thoughts coming in in terms of naming that line. And uh, we'll, we'll read some of those uh, after we break down the play of the game. Unfortunately, the lone goal for Vancouver, not enough in their loss against the Blues Bick. But it was a good start to the game because of how they scored. And it wasn't just like, hey, they got a lucky goal. It was very much them playing to their staples and creating a very high danger scoring chance and taking advantage of it. Yeah. Uh... Just a uh, simple stuff like puck down low, and yeah. you're there to support your teammate. And heads are up. Find your guy in the soft space and get a quick shot off. It's not, it's not overly complicated. And that line is just, you know, I know there was a couple of games ago where we're talking. It's like, yeah, they listen, and they they're constantly do, like in the right spots, and it, it's been very impressive yeah. uh, of how these three players have worked together so well. It really is, and they just do all the right things. They have, at least, and they've been relied on so much that people are you know, kind of calling them the top line, and the fact that people are trying to give give a nickname to the third line mm-hmm. tells you quite a bit, doesn't it? Well, this text came in here, uh, 650-650, uh, Robin Victoria. Third line is intact every game. That's why they are the Canucks' best line every night. Management needs to find a top six forward if they want consistency from Pedersen or Miller's line. That's Rob in Victoria texting in and and yeah like they, they've also like changed how they're playing too they've they found new layers to it as they've gone here in the last you know seven to ten games it's been really exciting to watch them on the ice because it always feels like they're finding the space for themselves yeah. whether it's in the rush or it's a play like we saw tonight so it's consistency part of it absolutely um but the, the guys in the top six 
it, it it is fair to talk about that like some guys haven't deserved to be there and Rick Tockett's having this demand like someone in the PDG spot there with Miller it's you have to play with a certain level yeah. of energy and it's it's hard to sustain that energy and so guys you know chop and change rotate in and out mm. but it, it it shows it's like if they had just one more regular dynamic player there who does who on skill should be there you'd probably see more consistency there yeah but and, right now like the 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 sixth guy or the the fifth the fifth and sixth forwards in the top six aren't really consistent players themselves. So th- that's why you're not seeing the consistency there. I want to expand on that, but that is a play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And Ian McIntyre is going to join us uh, in the last segment of the show as well to get his thoughts on what we saw from the Canucks against the Blues. But one thing we spoke about last game, and in order, and something you were mentioning too about adding another top guy to be able to play in the top six, and one of the things too is like, well, the way Garland is playing right now with uh, Bluger and mm-hmm. with Dakota Joshua, you don't want to break those three guys up. Fair, right? I get it. But I'm not even sure if you wanted to break them up that they're the answers in your top six, anyways. Like, I think I don't think Garland fits with JT in his game to excel. Sure, yeah. I don't think Garland fits with Pedersen because he. He's a puck-dominant player. And I think now that he's been given a chance to have his own line and, and handle the puck more, you see how often he comes in with his own entries. He does his spins. He'll create offense and good looks, and he'll be very puck-dominant on that line. And the guys look for him more. It's very clear that Joshua and Bluger know he's the most effective guy, and they, and they really try to play off of him, mm-hmm. where they're like playing off of him. Garland has a harder time playing off of other guys, too, cause because of that. That means you're taking the puck away from Pedersen if you're playing with him, which means... Now, all of a sudden, it's playing off the wall. Now, Pedersen's going to try to play off of Garland, which is not ideal in terms of their skill sets. Same thing with J.T. Miller. J.T. Miller is a puck-dominant player, especially along the walls. And if that's what Garland's going to do, I don't think their games mesh as well either. I think the best spot for him is a third line. So I don't even think breaking those guys up is an answer. I think no, we've seen yeah. Joshua at times play with Miller or Pedersen. I don't think that's an answer. Like, I think those guys are together because it actually works. And I'm not sure any of those guys truly work in the top six, which, again, is part of the issue is as good as that line is and as good as Garland's been, you're still paying a lot for a third liner who doesn't have a lot of utility outside of being a guy that runs a third line. Right, but at least right now, it's like he, he's absolutely succeeding in the role. 100%. So, I, I don't even bring up the contract anymore right now because well, for, for, for the last two months, sure. it, it's it's not an issue. There's there's way more like way bigger problems as, as far as if you were to to eliminate cash from the roster right now. Connor Garland's like the third or fourth consideration for me, but it's still the top three or four consideration, right? Like you're right, not but talking you, you about you open up some other pieces. It's sure it's, it's a very sizable chunk. Like there, there's other levers I'm going to pull before I even come close to a Connor Garland thought. Yeah, but the thing is, you, we talk about having guys that can do more than one thing. Mm-hmm. You, you have the only guy on that line that does more than one thing is Bluger. Right, but I'm talking about guys who do more than one thing on the top six. Don't disagree, but I'm just saying, like, the one guy that you're paying $5 million to isn't an answer in your top six. Like, they're perfect the way mm-hmm. they are, there, but you don't have a lot of options. And again, like, he's doing a good job. You're right. But when you're paying $5 million to a guy, you have less assets to do other things. And it's still an issue here because Kuzmenko's not going. And you don't have an answer to find somebody in your top six right now. But- but he's impacting wins right now. He is right now. So, but the uh, same discussion we have, though. We're talking about right now, but also, like, are you going to do anything in the postseason if your top six isn't going? Oh, absolutely. It, and and yeah. it all comes down it, to that it, same discussion. It, as it, 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 it winds up being a scenario where this is the only lever you can pull to try to 
chain together a couple of moves. Sure. No, no, I'm not even talking about making the move. I'm just saying it's good. He's doing a good job, but he's not an option for your top six and your ro- on mm-hmm. right now where, where you, how your team is built. And you're limited with what you can do with your roster to begin with. So even if you want to move that guy out, and you can, maybe, you're losing something on your third line. So I'm just saying, I don't think there are options in the top six. And that's too bad. Because mm-hmm. you would look at that and, and say, hey, these guys are going, but what if you put these guys in a different position? And I don't think that's a real option to have success in. Uh, 650, 650. Keep coming into the inbox uh, with your thoughts. Uh, this one, uh, he... This one is on Talkit. Why does he uh, keep scratching Kuzmenko? Uh, and Ken from Richmond also kind of asking the same question. Please tell me if Carlson and Oman in tonight's games were better options than Kuzmenko. We might as well trade Kuzmenko if he's not going to play uh, over fourth liners. Now, in the first 40 minutes, I thought uh, Oman and Carlson uh, were quite effective. And then you're on the ice uh, for a goal against in this scenario uh, against the Robert Thomas line. I misspoke earlier about the sequencing uh, on that goal. So it was Robert Thomas out four minutes before the goal. Then it went to the Hayes line, Sunfist mm. line, Shen line, the Hayes line, and then back to Robert Thomas. Bluger was out with Thomas to begin with, and then it went Pedersen, Carlson, Miller, Bluger, Miller, and then Carlson line came out. Yeah. So that's the sequencing on that scenario. So you see Pedersen's name uh, not out there for a bit, uh, and then that was the the goal, the the the, the game winning goal. Yeah. So it goes Miller, Bluger, Miller, Carlson, and that's sequence. Yeah, so, yeah. Hats off to the Blues coaching staff for uh, they did capitalizing. Good job. They, took, they took advantage. They knew what they were looking for, and they were able to get a couple of favorable uh, outlooks doing so. And you know, we talk about controlling play. I thought the Canucks created some scoring chances, especially in the third period. Their shot volume wasn't very high, but I do think they were trying to generate some chances. Uh, somebody's asking us here on the Dunbar Lumber Text inbox six fifty six fifty. Um, how many missed shots over the net? Hit the damn net. Uh, I can't tell you how many over the net, but the Canucks, in all situations tonight, attempted 61 shots on goal. Same number for the St. Louis Blues. So overall, this is if, all situations, right? The Canucks only got 26 shots on goal. Wow, 61. So they missed 30. Yeah. So 35 of their uh, 61 shots did not make it to the goal. Blocked or attempted, yeah. yeah or or missed. missed, yeah. You know, and uh, five on five. Uh, actually, the Canucks uh, did outshoot, out attempt 53 50, but the shots were 24 20, 24 30, 34, the St. Louis Blues. So the Blues got some shots through. The Canucks were not able to get a lot of shots through, but they did outchance the Blues on the evening. The Canucks did. It seems ambitious that they did. The first period. Numbers don't lie. Jake, well, they do sometimes. Uh, Jake <laughs> Neighbors, I think, had like six scoring chances by himself yeah. in the first period for the Blues. Uh, 650, 650. This one's uh, from uh, Imran from Rich, Rich, Richmond, who put a dog in the uh, text. So Gotta I'll read, read it. it uh, so, so. so I won't be uh, yeah. accused of uh, favoritism? Yes. Okay. Being preferential to certain <laughs> uh, text. Do you guys remember the last few seasons? Every L would feel like such a gut punch. What a change of pace. Yeah. Or a night off does not have as much of a negative impact moving forward. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this team has, lost not, has not lost more than two in a row. All season, almost always having a good response after a bad outing. Let's see if they can do it on Saturday. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good point. They haven't lost more than two in a row, and uh, this is only one loss. They've lost two out of three, but you know, it hasn't even been back-to-back losses. Again, like to me, I, I, we can criticize this game. We can talk about how they lost and what happened. Big picture, what's needed. But in terms of panic and concern, like we said, they're eight-two and two in their last 
14. I'm not going to 12 games. I'm going to sit here and, you know, tear a strip off the team and be overly concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you talk about getting some results. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. 650-650. Let's go to the phone boards and let's start things off in Nanaimo where we have Aiden on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Oh, we lost Aiden. Let's go to Vancouver where we have uh, Bill on the line. Bill, thanks for calling in. Uh, what's going on? Hi, guys. So just a, a couple of comments. Uh, first off, with Kuzmenko, you know, I was just looking at his time on ice average uh, up until his last game, and he's pretty much the same as um, Mikheyev. They're both the same, and yet and their point production per game is almost the same as well. And I know Kuzmenko's got, you know, obviously some holes in his defensive game, but, you know, I don't, just from a visual perspective, I, mean, I don't see him making drastic errors that cost him to get the kind of treatment that he's getting right now from talking. And, you know, concerns me that a guy, you know, who's, you know, new to the NHL second year, obviously doesn't speak very good, the language very well, you know, what this is going to do to his confidence. And I just look at the power play tonight that we had and they had Garland out there. It was an absolute mess. Like it was, it was horrible. And at least Kuzmenko creates opportunities. He's fast on the offensive side of the game. And, I just think you got to give him some more uh, runway to run with and keep working on. Him. Maybe they got to bring you know Sergey Gonchar with him on the road and and help him. You know maybe it's a language issue, but I just think it's unfortunate. They they need to get this guy going. I don't think we need to look for a big trade for a top six four because that's not going to be cheap. And I don't think we're in a position right now where we should be giving away you know a lot of our future, our really good prospects. We just got to hang in there, even if you know we're going to make the playoffs and if we make a good run one or two rounds that's great this is all about still long term for me and building for you know the next three or four or five years right with the pieces that we already have and the pieces that are going to come in i don't know what you guys think about that hey thanks for the phone call bill like i'm, I'm always team find a way to improve your squad mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you're kind of headed if you find a way to improve your team do it i agree with the notion though if you're improving the team you should do it for a longer term fit I'm not for throwing away big assets for a rental. Like, I'm not trading. So, I don't think the Canucks have to trade their top prospects. So, who are their top top prospects? Lakiramaki, Willander, Atu, Ratu. And then you want to kind of want to throw who else in the mix there? Gustavitz. Yeah, Pedersen. Yeah. Elias Pedersen, DPD. Um, and some other guys have shown well. Yeah, I'm probably not uh, uh, touching those five. Right. They're, they're probably not going anywhere. Right? I don't think you need to. You don't need to either, right? So, I think you can, you can put that aside in terms of prospects. If I'm trading a first-round pick, I'm doing so for a player that can fit here beyond this year. That's how I would feel, mm-hmm. right? The rest, I, could, I don't really care. And by the way, not just a fit beyond this year, like young yes, and beyond this yes, year. Yes, that's that's how I would view it. And I'm not saying I don't care about second-round picks, but I'm saying I can I can understand you trading away the mid-round picks for some rental help or whatever. Sure, whatever. Like I don't love it sometimes, but okay, go out, do what you have to have to do. And I don't think this team's going to be trading away rent, you know, big assets for a rental. What I do think, though, is that they're willing to do big things, bigger things, and like be aggressive. Like the 0506 Canes. 0506 Canes unexpectedly played really well that year, and they go out and get Doug mm-hmm. Waite. Now, hey, they got Mark Recchi, too. Eric Cole got injured, so they went out and got Recchi. But they gave up a first-round pick. And a second. And a second to get Doug mm-hmm. Waite. Now, they go on to win a Stanley Cup. A lot of things went their way, too, but pretty big additions, mm-hmm. and, and that worked. And now the thing too about that, different groups of teams, that team's a bit older than this current Vancouver team and, or whatever, but Jim Rutherford was a GM and he saw an opportunity with a team one year that had a, that opened things up. And sometimes 
when you're in a position where the Canucks find themselves, and it's still, you know, not early in the season, but we haven't hit the midway point yet. This is more about if you can continue their good play, albeit not tonight, by game 50 or whatever, then maybe you look at it and you say, how many years in the future are going to be a 110, 12-point team? How many years are we going to have a season? And people texted in very angry that we didn't mention uh, Brock Besser as a all-star because he has uh, he's third Jimmy Metrotown, Ben and Ken and Kelowna, uh, you know, third, he's third leading goal scorer, not going to the all-star mm-hmm. game. He deserves to go and all that. So you have him. He's scoring as many goals as he has, right? So you could say he's an all-star candidate. You have JT all-star candidate. Who's seventh in scoring, by the way. Seventh in NHL scoring, yeah. right? You have Elias Pettersson. You have Thatcher Demko. You have a bunch of guys who are UFAs at the end of the year, like Bluger, for instance, Lafferty, Zadorov, Myers. Go through the list of guys here that are valuable contributors that a lot of them are coming back next season. Do you not want to at least take advantage of what's going on? Give yourself a chance? And I do think that you can't just look at it and say, hey, don't touch any assets. Let's just see what happens. Because I think you're doing a disservice to your opportunity sometimes doing that. Yeah, fair enough. And... uh to the other point of what Bill was talking about, Kuzmenko, uh, which we, there's a lot of text coming in about Kuzmenko and people saying, how come you're not talking about Kuzmenko? I feel like it was what we started off the entire postgame show with Randeep. Um, I want to point this out. We were talking about this in the second intermission of how often he shoots. Guess on this team this season mm-hmm. at five on five, right? So not the power play like Bill was talking about, but nevertheless, uh, five on five. Guess who has more shot attempts five on five than Andre Kuzmenko on this team this year? Shot attempts? Yeah. Pew Suter, and he's played the few uh, games. He, he's uh, right behind him. He's at 55 shot attempts. Andre Kuzmenko's at 59. And he's played, like, I think 10 fewer games. Uh, he's played eight fewer games. Eight yeah. fewer games. Well, I guess uh, seven now. Yeah. After tonight. Okay, so seven the, fewer the games. The two guys that are right ahead of Andre Kuzmenko. Don't tell me it's, like, Tyler Myers. Uh, well, Tyler Myers is well ahead of Myers. Well ahead of Myers. Well ahead of There of you him. go. Myers is ahead of him. Um, Anthony Bovillier has one more Bovillier shot. Bovillier has one more. No, no, wait, wait, wait. wait time, uh, out, time, Anthony out, time out. Anthony Bovillier has one more shot attempt at five on five than Andre Kuzmenko, and Bovillier hasn't been on the team since November 28th. And I kind of want to say don't count one. him, but at the same time, you kind of have to. Like, you see, he you have more He's shots. been on the team this year. <laughs> what are you supposed to be, like, not? Yeah. Uh, he's got 60 shot attempts. Andre Kuzmenko yeah. at five on five is 59. And, you know, and, and Peter, Peter texted in and said, is Taka not aware that he f- has forfeited valuable points by being so obstinate with Kuzmenko? Ooh. That's a great word, by the way. But ten dollar word, fantastic. Get moved to the top of the text I like box. It. There we go. Peter Vancouver sneakily throws in a lot of great yeah. text messages. Competing. Competes very hard. Is that given what you just outlined? And we, if, if you want to look at some of the, the metrics, super Kuzmenko, they're not good. Like Kuzmenko doesn't have a lot of stuff to back him up. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you dig into the numbers, you dig into the data. It does not look good for Kuzmenko. So I get the point, and I agree. Like in a game like this tonight, I'm wondering. I mean. The way he's healthy, five healthy scratches. Like, I'm all for send a guy a message and try to do something here, but like, it's five and it's not working. You need goal scorers on the wing. Like, you got to figure this out. But is it, have the Canucks lost points because of, of quote unquote, Tockett's treatment of Kuzmenko? Because when you look at the numbers and what he's done, mm-hmm. it hasn't been great. By and large, like, like maybe there's been one earlier this season, but this would be the first one where I look at and say, boy, it would have been helpful if he was. Here yeah. today, and because you know Carlson on that Thomas goal, maybe at fault for that as well. Mm-hmm. But t- tonight was the one where it was very obvious. But the the only real case for it is hey, he's got talent to score goals. Well, you know what you need to do to shoot to, to score goals? Shoot, 
Yeah. And he's really not doing enough of that. He's not. Somebody texted in, why are we not talking about Kuzmenko? Maybe they maybe missed the first like 30 minutes yeah. of the post-game show. Uh, but yes, um, cer- certainly something to keep in mind. All right. We mentioned head, to- head coach Rick Tockett. He met with the media post-game. We're going to play the audio here. It's not very long, so definitely don't go anywhere. Like, Don't, don't think you have a long break because uh, Tockett speaking is not a very long uh, media availability after 2-1 loss at St. Louis. But here he is sharing his thoughts. The goal coverage blown, but I thought we missed it. A glorious chance in the third. We had about four or five uh, missed nets. Like we missed the net there. Got to hit the net on those shots. We've got a long road trip coming up. What do you want the guys to learn from this one, and what do you need them to do to be ready for Saturday? Well, bear down. You know, um, you know, we got to get some guys going. I thought, uh, you know, we had some guys going, some guys weren't, but we had some chances we didn't bury, and then that's what happens. You know, they they get the goal now. We're we're trying to to tie it up, but. Uh, yeah, you got to uh, back the drawing board, get a uh, good practice in tomorrow, and uh, move along here. Was there anything you thought St. Louis did particularly well that made it difficult? Uh, they were good through the neutral zone. I thought they uh, hit the weak side a lot. Um, but uh, for the most part, you know, like I said, we had our luck. So we just need some guys to bear down on the shots. We have to ask, and we've asked all year about Quinn Hughes getting named to the All-Star. What does that mean, and, and what impresses you most day-to-day? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's had a great year. Um, logs a lot of minutes. You know, he's a, you know, he's got a, a lot of poise with a puck. You know, he's just a guy that wants to win so bad. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, short and sweet from Is the that head it? coach. That's it. That's all he's got. Wow. Yes. Terse. A restrained Rick Tockett, I would say. Yes, uh, restrained. You know, he, yeah. he essentially you said... feel the reins in the voice. He is. I mean, he was talking to Kate Pedersen. Not a lot of media out there um, from Canucks media covering on the road nowadays, right? So um, I guess he didn't want to just like you know tear into his team for, on the local stuff there. But um, he said, missed some chances. Got to hit the net on some ch- shots. Mm-hmm. Had our looks. So didn't love you know how they played you know through neutral zone and stuff like that. He kind of mentioned there were some things he didn't like. But uh, he essentially summed it up as missing their chances, not taking advantage of their looks, not bearing down, he said. Yeah. And, uh, and some yeah. of it is that, like, like we, we debated about the third. I'm like, hey, it's not like that uh, Hoaglander and Besser didn't have, like, grade-A opportunities to score, and they've missed the net. If only there was a guy that got, like, a 17.8 shooting percentage that was available. <laughs> the guy who doesn't shoot the puck enough? <laughs> okay, that's what's so bizarre, though. It, it'd be one thing if he's got, like, a 3% we're talking about Andre Kuzmenko here. Yeah. If he's like shooting and he's got three percent shooting percentage, it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm my confidence is lost. Seventeen point eight percent is still unreal. It is. Shoot the puck more. Players would fall over themselves to have like a fifteen percent shooting percentage. Maybe, may, honestly, maybe he looks at it and says, "Man, I shot at twenty-seven percent. I'm at seventeen percent. I got to up the percentage." And he shoots even less because he wants to up the percentage, be even more selective. <laughs> Fun with numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I sat here preseason and I said, like, yeah, like he's clearly going to regress from twenty-seven point three. Yeah. But the ways to ward that off are shoot more and get more ice time. He's literally done the exact opposite. No, he's shot less precisely, and he's getting out of the lineup. Yeah, and no. he's playing less. His time on ice is down a minute and a half from last year. So, the the, the lack of production going from thirty-nine to eight so far is stark. It is. It's it's going to be obvious because you don't shoot and you don't play enough. Kevin from West Kelowna says, do you guys think Kuzi could be a one-year wonder? If so, trade him. Here's the thing on the trade side. 
if he is a one-year wonder, and to the point you mentioned, he's not like he's he's not doing the things he needs to do to be able to score at a high level this year, right? Not enough of those things. Somebody who is watching him from a different team, mm-hmm. what are they saying? A, a, a team that intends to compete. Yes, that intends to compete in the postseason. Do you not think they would have the same questions Talkit has and same concerns? Mm-hmm. That's not to say they don't value him. The question is, what are they giving you to make that deal, make that acquisition, especially with one more year left on his deal? I'd say it's, it's a limited market if any of those teams are interested. So what teams could be interested? Those with maybe bigger picture outlooks? Mm-hmm. For instance, would Chicago look at it and say, hey, this guy could be fun next to Bedard? Right. And and by the way, in that scenario, uh, it, it would he would it allow himself to be more of a natural playmaker? Right. But here's the thing about Chicago: what's why would they do that now? Yes. Why not wait to the off season? Yeah. You know, and so the teams that maybe could look at it and say, "Hey, it's worth the gamble, and let's work with this guy." We're not going to be playoff team anyways, and if we do make it next year, like low expectations, like let's just go out there and have a good year. Why would they make that trade today and pay the guy his rest of his salary? So. What type of market is there truly for Kuzmenko? What are you willing to take or not take to make that deal today? And do you may or do you have to kind of wait through the year? And ideally, like you look at it and you say, well, hey, if it's not working, you'd rather shift that money out and get something else. Could he be the Bavillier type in a trade like the way the Islanders draft got Horvat? Where so you do a big move and the the money to make the money work. He's part of it. Hey, uh, all options, like I said earlier, we're, like you, you consider all the options. Yeah, yeah you, uh, all options are on the table. So I, I think those are the scenarios I see with Kuzmenko right now, which is a long-winded way of saying I don't expect anything imminently for him. Now, hey, famous last words. Maybe this management team, mm-hmm. the way they make deals, maybe a trade gets gets done tomorrow. Maybe he's healthy scratch today, Big, because they're working on something. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past these guys. But... You know, that's kind of, I mean, I had some combos over the weekend too, coming into the new year about where things are at. And essentially, you know, it was described to me as, hey, like for a guy who's making five and a half million this year and next year, who's not scoring, why push the button? Or yeah. And like, what, what do you, what do you think is going on in terms of interest? Mm -hmm. You know, like there could be some there, but not me what you had hoped for. So uh, it's kind of like that catch 22. He used to play to score more. And he's got to play better to play. It's like, so what has to happen first here, right? Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. Let's do this one here. Steve-O and Sanich. He sent this in a couple times. I was meaning to get to it, but he sent it in again. Saying, I'm listening patiently to the discussions and texts regarding Kuzmenko. PD not performing. And the disjointed lines. All valid points. But as as is often the case, there's little focus on Hughes' play. And when they're... When he isn't playing like Bobby Orr, he is regressing defensively away from the puck. He's forcing the play through neutral zone and looking like a younger Quinn when he, when he refuses to go D to D and continues to say uh, on, on the second goal he was a bit lost too and you know he didn't he didn't do great. Fortunately, he didn't score thirty nine goals last year or he'd be scratched too. Steve Owen Sanich uh, joking about Quinn Hughes. Now on the D to D thing, refuses to go D to D. I think generally speaking, this coaching staff wants their D men to go north. D to D only if you have to. Now, sometimes it's helpful to go DDD. It helps out and everything. But generally speaking, I think they want those guys to go forward all the time, especially Quinn, especially Hero. Like they don't want those guys to be spending time going. They want them to be aggressive, right? Lanes close real fast. And so, when you have a natural born skater yeah. like Quinn Hughes, if you can take it, take it. Yeah, and they implore them to do those sort of things. So I think part of that is coaching system, what they want to do and everything. As far as his defensive play, 
I don't disagree. And I think Quinn is taking a lot of steps. And I still think he's a Norris candidate. But hey, we're microanalyzing all these guys. Hronik and Hughes as a pairing haven't been great. Hughes has been a bit more adventurous recently, you could say. Again, do they want him to do those things? Is Hrona covering for him as well at times? Probably not. So I think we're seeing, uh, we've seen some flaws with that pairing recently. We've seen both guys get exposed at times. And I do think it's fair to wonder about Quinn's defensive impact when those things are happening. Oh, man, I, I love the idea of a guy that's regressing in the last uh, five games when he's got seven points. I don't dis- I'm, Listen, he's talking <laughs> about defensive regression. Sure. Like how, yeah, how they're playing yeah. in their own zone, right? And I'm reading the text messages. All I'm saying is, I don't, I can understand some of the criticism because that pairing has had it. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about, yeah, you split yeah. them up. They, they've you know had what some I mean? Issues. So the, the question, too, is how much of that is on Quinn? How much of it is how they're trying to play? And the partner he has is really good. But as we've seen, he hasn't been able to mop up the mistakes the way other guys can. Yeah, and certainly at this point in the season, teams are going to start playing you differently too. And are they going to be looking for chances to take advantage? Um, we we spent a lot of time last game talking about Heronic on that two-on-one. Mm-hmm. And you, you made the point. It's like, hey, it's, it, the, the two-on-one was not created by Philip Heronic. Like, he didn't make a mistake and yeah. now he's got to defend. Where the mistake came was Quinn Hughes. He's saying this is the last game, not tonight. This is uh, against the Senators. Yeah, he stays deep, and he had ample opportunity to get back to his point. And Miller covered it, and then Miller had to get involved in the play. Hoaglander had it, and he had time to get back to the the point. He had ample opportunity to get back to the point, and it just gets chipped up over him off the glass, and suddenly there's there's this two-on-one. So when you're mentioning Ace of Times maybe a bit more adventurous, it's a play like that you notice. Yeah, absolutely. So I think those things have been noticed here. They have to shore it up. I don't disagree, and I wanted to spend a couple minutes on Steve Sanchez. In general, though, I I think people have this idea that defense is only like, oh, physicality, and you you literally muscle the person off the puck. Like Quinn Hughes is not going to – he, no, hey, he's not going to try to win that way, nor should he. Like it's it's a futile attempt for, at times for him, unless he's going up against someone like Connor Garland's size. Well, like he's not going to go compete against Torpachenko in the corner, and I, I don't want him to. I want him to win because of skating, and he can get to different parts of the ice faster and take lanes away and just be good, sound positionally. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to start cutting off passes. And start taking lanes away. Like, that's the stuff I want Quinn Hughes to do. And I think he does that really well. But because he's not winning these battles and knocking a guy over in front of the net, people look at that and say, oh, he's not very good defensively. Quinn Hughes is good defensively. I I completely agree with you. He's good defensively. And and maybe his best trait defensively, which is actually a very important trait defensively, but oftentimes gets overlooked and never gets mentioned. And it's been mentioned before. His stick? No. And I bet you if I if I search the text inbox, I won't be able to find one for a very long time. His retrievals. Oh yeah, absolutely. they don't get talked about. Yeah. But how often? Like and, and this, nobody thinks about it. the puck yeah. goes in, he grabs it and it goes out, and it's like it happens so quick, you don't even think, right? It's like it doesn't no, register. It, it's been normalized. It's so normalized. But what his ability to retrieve pucks, get them out quickly, is maybe the best in the National Hockey League, and gets overlooked all the time because it's the most simple thing. You don't. Like, it's a moment where you're dead brain watching anyways because you see the puck go in, he grabs it, he goes. You're you're not even thinking about hey he just retrieved the puck and went out of his own zone. You're not even thinking about it, right? And it becomes so normalized. That's it's a defense. Simple thing, but that's defense. 
to your point. That is defense. All right. Uh, we'll continue the discussion on the other side. More of your text messages. You can grab a phone line. Plus, we'll hear from the captain, Quinn Hughes, after a 2-1 loss against the Blues in St. Louis. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. If you can peel your eyes off the stage, they've got hockey, football, and more on the big screens. More coming up on Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Crew feeds his own line for Robert Thomas. Now to Cairo, into the Vancouver end. Right circle. Tops to Bushnevich on the boards. To the left point. Now it's sent back. Right circle. Thomas scores! Beautiful pass by Perunovic to find Thomas all alone on the right wing, and he beats Demko top shelf stick side to give the Blues the lead. And this line has been dangerous all night long. Jordan Cairo with the zone entry. After that, Buchnevich picks up the puck and gives it to Perunovic, who finds Robert Thomas curling back, comes out of the corner on the right-hand side to find the soft area and get in the slot to take the shot. And he can pick a corner I mentioned earlier on. If you give him room, he'll make you pay. Canucks lose 2-1 in St. Louis against the Blues, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Text inbox Dunbar Lumber 650-650. Uh, we are going to get to Quinn Hughes and wh- what his thoughts were post game coming up in a few moments. But before we do that, Bick. Uh, we should actually also spend a couple moments talking about the Canucks' best player tonight. We haven't really uh, spoken about him too much outside Fair of enough. outside of hey All Star consideration, and that is Netminder Quinn Hughes. I mean, Stepminder Quinn Hughes. <laughs> My goodness, wow! Netminder Thatcher Demko Quinn Hughes. I just looked at a text message about Quinn Hughes, and I'm like, Quinn Hughes? No, uh, he does it all. He's an All Star. Now we're just he's not he's him not up. a star. He's an all. all. He does everything. He's literally everything. <laughs> Uh, Thatcher Demko tonight. Yeah. He was tremendous. Made 28 saves. The two shots that go in on him, you can't even really fault him for it. Uh, all the talk about his game slipping somewhat, uh, he, he was on top of his game tonight. Yeah, that's uh, done away now. Um, he's been so fantastic, obviously, throughout the course of the year. And there are a lot of nights when people say, hey, they only won the game because of Thatcher Demko. You could probably make the claim tonight they were only in the game because of Thatcher Demko. You can drop the W from that statement. Uh, so... You know, it's the reason, like, when we talk about, hey, do you push some mm. chips into the middle of the table? Not all the chips or some chips. Uh, it's because you have a goalie like this, and he can do incredible things. And I think he was probably better in, the like, the last 40 against Ottawa, but very instructive in, in the Canucks being in this game throughout the course of the uh, tonight. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, the Canucks had opportunities in the third. The coach bemoaned them. We spoke about them. Didn't convert on them. Thatcher Demko certainly gave them an opportunity uh, in St. Louis tonight, but... From the rest of the group, not enough. But they're going to need him uh, the rest of this road trip. Uh, Casey DeSmith has played great, too, so you feel pretty good about it. But you know you have a game against the Devils coming up, and it doesn't get easier. You have back-to-backs on Monday, Tuesday against the Rangers and Islanders. It's four games in six nights. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need these guys to be on top of their game and perhaps Demko rounding into form again uh, just at the right time for the squad. Uh Let's, before we get to Quinn Hughes, what are you seeing on the text inbox? Six fifty six. I'm just trying to do some math on something that somebody texted in here, um, because we 
We, we get a lot of Leo Patterson texts, right? Okay. We, we always do. And I, I feel like I have to find, like, new things to prove the points of people. A, a new way to defend Elias Patterson? Yeah. Look, I, I welcome the idea that, like, people want to criticize people. Sure. And, I, and I do live by the, the philosophy of, like, if I, if I treat you as you are, you remain the same. If I, if I yeah. critique, we can make you better, right? Yeah, I, I, I do live by that philosophy. That's why I, I don't mind criticism. Like, I saw yeah. somebody t- tweet uh, at us earlier and call us dweebs. So I'm like, all right. We'll be less dweeby. No comment. <laughs> I got no comment on the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but this one from Franco and Burnaby says, I don't believe our current roster is the Stanley Cup contender. Acquiring another top six forward to boost Pedersen's play would be a costly mis- mistake as we'd end up paying that player $6 million and likely face a substantial contract for Pedersen exceeding a $12 million by, by year's end. It's crucial for Pedersen to contribute to elevating the performance of his teammates. Cheers from Franco and Burnaby. And a lot of that, like, if you don't believe the team is a Stanley Cup contender, right now I don't, but they're, they're a credible NHL team. They have to take, you know, continuous improvement. But the idea that Pedersen doesn't make his teammates better is, frankly, ridiculous. And we got a tweet earlier uh, from Chester uh, on Twitter who says, and tagged uh, you and I in it, do you guys know that Elias, has been, Elias Pedersen has been on the ice for 30 goals for the season at 5-on-5, five five, and JT Miller has been on the ice for 27 goals for at 5-on-5? Five five. For those who are saying that Pedersen isn't producing, mm-hmm. it's it's misguided, not only on – on ice for goals for here are the only players that have like done worse as far as goals for right the percentage with Pedersen the percentage without Pew Suter and Sam Lafferty that's really about it and and Phil DiGiuseppe that's it and, and some of those guys are like barely on the ice with Elias Pedersen yeah everybody else has done better when they're with Elias Pedersen like Sam Lafferty's having a career year yeah you think that's because he's scoring all these goals on the fourth line? No, it's because like he's out there with Elias Pettersson. Yeah, he would. He had the two goal game with Pettersson. Like I- I- Ilya Mikheyev, in his recovering from ACL, is on a career high points per game percentage. He has ten goals on the season, on pace for twenty four by the end of the year, almost twenty three, twenty four, some, some something like that for uh, Ilya Mikheyev. Like Elias Pettersson is sitting here right now, tenth in the league in scoring. Who do people think he's assisting to? <laughs> like, I, I just, I just want to know. Like, oh, he doesn't make his teammates better. Well, he, he doesn't score enough goals. Well, then why is he sitting here with forty-five points? Like, who's who's scoring all these goals? But uh, the response I got was, "Hey, he had a st- hot start to the year, but what has he done in the second half of the year?" Which I've responded and said he's been a point per game player. But <laughs> I, I just want to know, like. <laughs> I, I, I know some people have made fun of me and said, like, but you always say you just want to understand. It's because I want to understand. <laughs> I just want to understand, like, what the complaint is. Uh, the, the complaint, honestly, is he falls over too much is one. And, you know, th- that one comes up. But also the other one that has come up is he hasn't been good enough against good teams. Well, tonight wasn't a good team. But that's another criticism people have. He's pretty good, man. He's pretty good. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, great stuff. All right. We'll get to more of your thoughts in the text inbox coming up coming up in a, a little bit. Um, this one here says, 100% on Quinn Hughes. He has slipped a little bit lately. Well, Quinn Hughes did meet with the media post game, and here he is talking about a 2-1 loss against the Blues in Missouri. I mean, it's going to be a long road trip. We've got seven games here. Obviously, we wanted to start with a win, but as for us, we just got to look forward to tomorrow's practice and the next game after that and, you know, exciting, you know, another six games on this trip and, did some good things. Did some things we should probably 
clean up, but um, that's hockey. What are some of those things that you want to clean up? Yeah, I mean, we'll keep that in the room and um, we'll figure that out, that out tomorrow at practice. But, um, you know, we've played good hockey all year and we've bounced back nicely after games like this. So we got a lot of chances to do it on this trip. Is this a group that even though you're disappointed that you do have that confidence in bouncing back just the way you've been able to do it all year? Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously disappointed. And 1-1 one, one going to third, you want to find a way to get points out of that. But... Um, we had some of our looks, just didn't capitalize and um, got to execute a little bit better. But, yeah, I mean, we'll look forward to the next one, like you said, and bounce back. We have to ask about the all-star vote. You know, uh, great honor for you. What does it mean to get that opportunity again? Yeah, it's a great honor. It's hard to get in there. I mean, I, I believe we got four or five guys that should be in there. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, with um, the league doing uh, one guy from every team, but um, hopefully we get another guy or two in there. What is it a special honor to be the first guy? I mean, you mentioned four or five guys probably belong on that team in this room, but to be that first guy, is there a special honor there for you? Yeah, of course, because, I mean, like I said, we got guys that, um, you know, should be there as well. I mean, I felt like I, you know, played well enough to be there last year, and same with Millsy and other guys and Demko, and, but there's only one guy that goes, and PD went last year. I'm, you know, honored to go this year, and like I said, hopefully our fans can vote in another guy or two because they definitely deserve it. Were the Blues doing anything? You got that, got that early goal. You know, did they do anything to kind of keep you guys off the board the rest of the way? Uh, they defended hard, and um, yeah, I mean, obviously they deserve credit for sure. But um, you know, a couple of the breakdowns there, we had to figure out and then find a way to score. That is Quinn Hughes uh, post game, and uh, mentioned they'll keep it in the room. And he also mentioned they had some chances. Didn't seem too concerned about things. It's like us when people are like, "Why didn't you guys make the show better?" We're like, "Oh well." I mean, we keep that in the room. We'll, we'll chat about that later. <laughs> we'll talk. I got something to talk to you about later, but uh, we'll keep it. We'll keep it in the studio. We'll keep it in the studio. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, and then he was asked about the All Star game, and, and something something to keep in mind too is, is now it's voting. Mm-hmm. Somebody texted in. It was Jesse texted in? It's like vote Kuzmenko in <laughs> Team Chaos. Uh, so it's really dependent on fans. Like, who else you want in? Besser, you want JT in? You know, go and vote for him. Have your say. Have your say. That's how it's going to happen. It's not going to be anybody picking these guys. So it's going to be down to the voters getting those guys in here, at least, you know, part of the reason why they get in. And so we'll see who else uh, is able to kind of squeak in. But it comes down to you as fans. So if, if you have a say, because, yeah, you and I don't have a say. We don't, we don't have official votes. Uh, we could, I guess, go and vote if you wanted to. On Twitter? Yeah. Is it a Twitter vote or is it like you have to go log I think, online? I think it's an online vote. Oh, they okay. did the Twitter Twitter thing one year, didn't they, or something? Right. Is that how John Scott got in? I don't know. I can't exactly. Yeah. It's all. I, I'm not a big All Star person. No, neither am I. All, it, it, it sounded like uh, Quinn had his thoughts on uh, the format, though. He's like, I want player from every team. Sometimes he likes he keeps it. Guys, no, it, it sounds like he, he keeps you know some guys out. Well, of course it does. That's how it. I mean, it's. Um, it's, it's the NHL's way of having every every team be involved in postseason mm-hmm. with I mean postseason race by having the three point format right and two points for a win keeps everybody kind of close and same thing with the All Star game they want to make sure everybody has a player involved in the All Star game the NFL does the same thing don't they There's, no actually I don't, I don't think know. they do I don't know but the rosters are so, so huge it's like yeah, that makes different. sense it makes it's sense. like a punter can go be like hey man great year punting and no one's gonna be like ah. Oh, I don't remember. The long snap. The long snap. Goes. I was going to say, uh, it, the Browns for many years, a uh, horrible football team, 
But they had Charlie Hewlett, who was one of the best long snappers. Like, so he'd be making the All Star game for the person that tweeted <laughs> dweebs at us. <laughs> congratulations, tweet of the night. Charlie Hewitt reference catches at plus nine thousand. Total dweeb. Total oh dweeb thing to say, to say. Okay, you know, I, I wanted to read this text. And let him deflect off of the Charlie Hewitt focus. <laughs> Well, I am a dweeb, and this might be dweeby as well. Uh, the Canucks are 2-3-1 and one without playing Kuzmenko, 41.6% uh, win percentage, with Kuzmenko 71.8%. Now, those losses without Kuzmenko were Calgary, San Jose, and St. Louis. The 2-3-1, three, three games they've lost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, small sample, six games, but yeah, facts only. facts only, right? And it says, Talkin is missing the forest for the trees being stubborn about Kuzmenko. It has to stop. This is... Now... Those numbers don't lie, right? But as far as missing the forest for the trees, Rick Tockett has this team off to one of the best starts of franchise history. He has collective buy-in. It wasn't what he needed to see today, mm-hmm. but it has buy-in. It has players having career seasons. It has the team playing better team defense than it have in a long time. They have a lot of things going well for them right now. Pray tell, how is he missing the forest for the trees? Because by keeping players accountable, by making sure that he has investment, by creating standards and non-negotiables, which you have to enforce, accountability is a real thing. You all cried and yelled and begged for accountability the last few years. How these guys were not accountable, were not playing the right way. Sure, they got their points, but what did that do for you in the end? You saw that. You begged for a coach to come in and bring accountability. They have accountability. They have success. He is not missing the forest for the trees. Any game you can criticize the coach, decisions about, hey, roster decisions, this and that. And you can certainly make the case that Kuzmenko should have played, especially when Linus Carlson comes in. Like, Linus freaking Carlson Carlson played tonight. We're not not talking about, you know, uh, even PDG going in. It's Linus Carlson. I didn't know we were going there. (laughs) I'm just saying. But it's Linus Carlson who played. Yeah. You can't tell me Linus Carlson is more dependable, as you saw in the mistake he made mm-hmm. uh, on the on the game-winning goal, than Andre Kuzmenko. So you can certainly criticize that, but I would I think it's some of the stuff in here about Talkit. You know, he's he's obtuse or obstinate. Somebody said, and they're costing the team points. Has he not helped the team have more points than you ever expected they would? And isn't accountability and enforcing those things part of the reason why they're having success? And does not enforcing accountability mean having awkward bad moments like this with star players? Is this not what accountability looks like? Situations like this? We were talking about it on the show yesterday. Because uh, you know, we were just talking about the Kuzmenko thing yesterday on the People Show. And, you know, the, we're, we're asking things about things you can experiment with because they've had 51 points through the stretch. And it was mentioned, um, hey, just give Andre Kuzmenko a run of games. And if you're, if you're trying to do this thing of meritocracy and accountability, you can't pick and choose when you want to do yeah. those things. If if these are your ideals, you can't just say, well, for 10 games, I'm just going to decide because, Michael, you have to play in the top six for 16 minutes a night. I understand, like, hey, you got to get this guy going and all those things. But this is the way they choose to try to get their guys going, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't foreign. He didn't just randomly choose. Start, like, talking about picking and choosing. He's done this to Hoaglander. He's done this to Dakota Joshua. He's done this to everyone. It's not as high profile because those guys aren't making as much. But – that part of it is consistent. Yeah. If you don't do the things that they ask you to do, you won't play. It's mm-hmm. fairly simple. And that part is consistent. It's tough. And I think on tonight, yeah, like he merits criticism. 
on tonight's result. I, and you know what? I mean, maybe we'll expand on this on the other side a bit more. Why I did not like, even going into the game that much, Suter with JT and, mm-hmm. and uh, Besser, and also Lafferty and Mikheyev with yeah. Pedersen. But, like, one result does not mean you switch your opinion, right? Like, I have a bad show, and Sat's like, oh, my, I don't know, man, new co-host. It's not <laughs> like that, right? You have one bad show, you, you, you change. Overall, the Rick Talk has done a fantastic job. But tonight, I think, like, and I, w- I was willing to test the experiment. We'll talk about it on the other side of Suter with M- Miller. But now it's okay. You tested something. It didn't work. Now you can change it up. It's it's okay to have one bad night. And is it worth sacrificing one result to get to the end destination you want to? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, this one says, settle down, dweebs. All right. We'll write, read more of your text messages on the other side. Plus, we'll break down the top six. And Ian McIntyre will join us as a Canucks Central postgame show rolls on on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central postgame show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hughes, left wing, into the St. Louis zone. Stops up on the boards, tries a bouncing shot. Stopped by Vinnickson, rebound in front. Niels Oman taking away at it. Comes to Hoaglander, he missed the net with a wrist shot for the left circle. Linus Carlson digs it free. Right point, Hironic with a heavy drive. That went wide into the near corner, and Hoaglander battles with Perunovic down low. Well, bear down, you know. Um, you know, we got to get some guys going. I thought, uh, you know, we had some guys going, some guys weren't, but we had some chances we didn't bury, and then that's what happens. You know, they, they get the goal now. We're, we're trying to... To tie it up, but uh, yeah, you got to uh, back the drawing board, get a uh, good practice in tomorrow, and uh, move along here. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 2 1 loss in St. Louis against the Blues. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange. Uh, and a lot of reaction here on our text inbox Dunbar Lumber 650 650. It's Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar and uh, taking uh, a lot of those questions and comments and having a lot of fun with it. Unfortunately, the Canucks, of course, losing this hockey game. Uh, it was Connor Garland getting them on the board to start things off in the first. And after that, well, the Blues tied it uh, in the later on in the period and also ended up taking the 2 1 victory after a goal in the third period. Now, um, you heard from Rick Tockett, and he mentioned they had some chances that they missed. Uh, Sad Steve in North Van says, Tockett is banged on, bang on. That's what I was thinking. I saw at least four, four glorious opportunities, and result was zero goals and zero saves. Missing the net killed them tonight. That's Sad Steve in North Van texting in. And yeah, they missed, a ch- missed the net. They had some uh, chances, which they were not uh, able to um, take advantage of. But... I don't think they were able to create enough and be as effective enough because of how their top six was put together tonight. And I think, again, like I, I'm defending, you know, the whole notion of Rick talk and how successful he's been. And I'm not looking at, you know, way to tear him down or anything, but as far as evaluating this game and evaluating the decisions he made on his lineup and how they impacted the game, I didn't love having two four checking mm-hmm. forwards, Lafferty and Mikhail Pedersen. And I didn't love having two more, kind of playmaking type of guys. And I think Suter is good at being a hound and, and pursuing the puck as a center, as a first forward in on the wing. I just don't know if he has a get up and the impact to do it. And I thought, you know, both things were evident tonight in the top six that they kind of had two awkward fits with their two top centers. 
Yeah, and it's it's something I've been asking about, and we've talked a lot about on the post game show. But is there a chance for PU Suter to go into the top six? Okay, so we tested it, and you know the opportunity is obviously is why isn't he part of the the cycle of Hoaglander and PDG with Miller and Besser? And so you saw it tonight, and yeah, okay, it's, it's probably not a fit. Um, you know, that doesn't mean PU Suter's bad or anything, but in a night like tonight when there was an extra body that needed to come from the bottom six to the top six because PDG being out there. And Carlson comes in the lineup. You mentioned it. Like, why two speed guys with Pedersen and why two playmaking scoring types with Miller? Yeah. Couldn't have gone Lafferty with – or or Mikheyev because mm-hmm. we saw them get a, get a bit of a run last game. One, one of those guys. If the idea is one person has to be a four-checker, one person has to be a creator, one person has to be a scorer, just a basic template. Why did you break the mold tonight? Yeah. And uh, again, for I want... both lines. Yeah, for both you lines. You know what? Like, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see what Suter looks like with Miller. Okay, so it didn't work. But it was, it felt obvious both lines weren't working early on, at like at least halfway through the game, and there was no change to it. You know what this would have been like? You know how he's been very re- reluctant to have a lefty play with a lefty and a righty mm-hmm. play with a righty? Like he wants a lefty-righty pair. He's got a staples. It's like he would have had two pairs tonight go lefty-lefty and righty-righty. Mm-hmm. That's what this felt like, and it's like, wait, you're going away from what you want, and it's available to. It's not like you don't, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, split those guys. It's like, not like there's injuries tonight, and you're really yeah, short-handed. You know, and, and and I understand that. I think part of the reason is I think they f- they believe Lafferty is more effective for checking as a right winger because his right hand is shot, and with his stick, just I think they think he's better doing that. But you tell me, you can't try him on the left wing. You can't get it on the forecheck there. Or if not, then especially with how things are going with, with Pedersen now and, and Mikheyev at times, put Mikheyev with Besser and put Lafferty with uh, Suter and, and uh, uh, Pedersen. Have Lafferty in the right wing, have yeah. Suter in the left wing, yeah. and then have you know Pedersen play. Sorry, I thought you said Miller and Pedersen together. Yeah, well, I mean, you can even do that if you wanted to and have Suter play on second line. But that, that's taken away a lot of your... That I would again, really worry about. Yeah. That I feel like the other lines would get squished. I, 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 that's, to me, that's load up the top six, mm-hmm. you know, to load up your top line. But if you gave... If the Bluger line went out and did, like, the true hard matchup roles for 10 games and came out of the wash, it's like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. Then you could explore that idea. Yeah. But so far, it's like you're about you're about fifty percent of the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I I would have to look tonight how much they really went against the well, Thomas line and how much they succeeded. Uh, in Thomas it. line scored the game winning goal, but not with them on the ice. Exactly, they weren't. But on the they ice. did get the goal earlier. Yeah, uh, Bluger. But again, it was so weird they just come on the yeah. ice. And, and also, like like we broke that play down. It wasn't like there was a defensive breakdown. Preko's mm-hmm. coming down the wing a little bit. It's not really that downhill, that center, and just picks up spot and, and it goes in. Um. But yeah, uh, it's one of those things. Uh, didn't love the formation in their top six tonight, and uh, they weren't able to come through either. Nav and Dallas, I can't criticize coaches uh, that has us finally winning. That's why they get paid the big bucks. But I honestly think Talkit is a bit too hard on Kuzmenko. Um, and, and is it maybe ruining his game? Is it taking his offense away? Is it fair to wonder what that impact is having on Kuzmenko? Because he does look increasingly lost when he's out there, mm-hmm. when he's out. You know, he looks like a guy who either doesn't understand what's going on or doesn't like what's going on. But last game, like he didn't play a lot in a blowout. No, I mean, but but there was also a lot of like turnovers. Well, yeah, he, he hates the turnovers. It, it's 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 not even like not known. It's like I, I I don't care what language you speak. You know, turnovers aren't good. You know, giving the puck away isn't good. 
do you think giving the puck away is going to get you more ice time? Probably not. Yeah. It's, it's, that's not a language barrier. That's a play the game properly barrier. And if you don't do that, I, I don't see what the complaint is. And you know, we've we've commented a lot on like Kuzmenko's natural disposition, and it's a fairly cheery one. So like by and large, uh, until this, you know, there, there, there's a player blow up. I don't get as too worked up over it. And if he's on power play one, then that's still a reasonable sign. But it's, it's you know, it's every time this happens, it becomes a larger and larger and larger story. And it's so frequent now. What is it, six, five times in 18 games? It's a lot. It, well, and it's such a swing. He went from being the feel-good story of last year individually to being the biggest disappointment and bone of contention this mm-hmm. season. And we have a text here, uh, 650-650 from Mike. Does does Kuzmenko miss the net much? Keep him, teach him, or trade him? Um, so last year, he was – we talked about his shot attempts. Last year, he was getting 51% of his shots on net. This year, it's 41%. So he's missing the net more, too. He's missing the net a little bit more. But he's also just, like, not shooting the mo- as much. No, he's, he's not shooting enough. He's missing the net more. Um, there are a lot of things – again, like, if you look at his, at his body of work, it hasn't been impressive. And – the underlying numbers don't back him up either. He's not getting to his spots the way he was getting to his spots before. So there's a lot he has to do better. But he looks like a player who's lost when he's out there, like in terms of what he wants to do, what he needs to do, what's expected of him. And for all the good things the coaching staff has done, the one sore spot continues to be Kuzmenko. Like that's the guy you haven't been able to reach yet. How long will the experiment continue? Yeah, the, the good, that's a big the, question. The, the thing is, is like they're not chasing anything, right? If they were chasing some, like the wild card two spot – Boy, would the temperature be turned up. Oh, completely different. But you're you're able to use these tactics because you're at 51 points here. Oh, you're you're sure. able to play the hard line and say, hey, like, we need to get this right because we have a little bit of a runway to get this right. But we need it to be better because okay. we're going to need you at some point. So before the game, I mentioned, and you're right, but that that some point might just be this road trip here because – I was mentioning how this game could be the swing game in terms of being a really good road trip and you know getting by or not being a good road trip because it's not going to be easy through New York, the three games. You close it out with three games where you know obviously you have a chance to win, but Columbus and Buffalo, mm-hmm. not great. Pittsburgh hasn't been a world beater, but playing a lot better recently. But it's still seven games on the road. It should be noted, too, this is the only Western Conference game, too. Yeah. Right? So it'd be nice to have won this one. Yeah, but that's the one you're losing is a Western yeah. Conference game. So you have six games left. You don't want to be giving up your cushion on this road trip. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, you know, sounding off alarm bells. Canucks have 8-2-2 eight, two and two again the last 12 games. But this was a big game to me in the road trip, big picture-wise, in terms of making it easier for you. They did not make it easy for themselves. So now this seven-game road trip, they're going to have to be able to pull out a couple of fires here and there. And that's what I'm – my radar, honestly, for, for this season – and in terms of, like, what is this team going to be? Are they going to actually fight for the top of the conference? Are they going to be a, a surefire top three team in the Pacific? I think this road trip is going to determine that. Whether that's for sure going to happen or it's going to be a bit, you know, touch and go from that point. Six games to go. Yeah. On this trip. Uh, man, it's, it's, 
you, you never, their schedule eases it, up in a big it's way. It's hard after to make, like, make declarations from a small sample size, For but sure. there are moments where you're just like, oh, yeah, this is important because of what can happen X, Y, and Z. It's just they have a really nice schedule mm-hmm. at the end of the month. March is very favorable to them. This is like the toughest schedule stretch they have left. All right, uh, let's bring in our closer, the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV. You read him on digital. You hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. I thought you were going to say Quinn Hughes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I know usually I'm not the first one to speak when this music talks. I, I jumped the queue there. That's okay, Vic. Uh, time is short. How much have you guys spoken about Andre Kuzmenko tonight? <laughs> How much? What percentage of your show has been devoted to... Andre Kizmenko. I'll, I'll say 27.8 for a shooting percentage last from year. last year. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Yeah, good answer. Yeah, 27.8 for, for, not... for a guy who didn't even play in the game. We've spent a lot of time on the post game show talking about Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have yeah. thoughts on Kuzmenko and the decision not to play him? Well, I mean, he's he's not playing very well, so I'm not I'm not surprised that he has been sat out uh, and. You know, at, at this point, he's, he's making $5.5 million. He scored 39 goals last year. You have to find a way to get him going, right? And and sitting him out uh, is probably not going to get him going, but I don't think – this isn't a message anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the message was maybe the first time he sat out for two games or the second time he sat out for two games this is now just punitive this is just punishment and a coach believing that his better team or best team doesn't include Andre Kuzmenko and I know that's that's uh sounds appalling to some people and and Andre Kuzmenko has a lot of fans you know I love the guy as well you know he was a great story for them for them last year uh, fans like him uh, a lot of people in the media like him, and but the reality is he's he scored eight goals, but it's not that he's only got eight goals and last year he had thirty nine it's that he clearly he clearly has has not responded to whatever it is uh Rick Tockett is trying to get him to do uh to the point now that Tockett doesn't feel that Kizmenko can help the team in a, in a bottom six role. If he's not playing in the top six, clearly he's not a guy that Tockett thinks is going to give them any energy uh, farther down the lineup or engagement farther down the lineup. So this is this is what it's come to. It's not it's not not a good situation uh, for either the team or Kizmenko. But at this point, I honestly think the onus is more on Kizmenko to to get engaged and get himself going. You know, we saw, we've seen examples this year. Look at how Dakota Joshua changed the narrative of his season after he sat out. And he, he just, you know, leveled up and, and became a lot more consistent. And, and I realize they're totally different players. So I, I, I get that. Um, but you could look at, you know, Nils Hoaglander and how, how he responded. Noah, Noah Juleson. And I realize, again, these are guys from the bottom of the lineup. There's mm-hmm. probably a lot, a lot more room for, for growth or improvement for them than, than for a guy who scored 39 goals. But, you know, other guys have taken the message 
and they've changed their game and become more engaged. And so far, Kuzmenko hasn't. And that's not to say, by the way, I'm not suggesting that Andre Kuzmenko needs to play like Nils Hoaglander or Dakota Joshua, but he needs to play in a different manner than what he has been showing. Clearly, it, uh, that, that would be my takeaway from, from him sitting out for the fifth time is that whatever he's been doing to try to impress Rick Tockett has not worked. So if he wants to play for Rick Tockett, I think he needs to, to find a, a way to play differently. So I want to be clear, Ian. I agree with you, okay? I, I want to be very clear. But I, I'm asking a question on behalf of the listeners that have texted in here, okay? So sure. if you're mad, if you're mad, you, you're, you're mad at them. Stop okay? being a coward and ask the question. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, because when we talk about this thing, it, it tends to be like, well, one guy is right and one guy is wrong, right? And so if you just look at the results, and people have texted in tonight saying, like, well, because Michael's in the lineup, they have a better points percentage. And when they're, he's in the lineup, the power play is better. Is, is there a certain level of uh, ignoring of the facts from Rick Tockett's point of view of saying, like, hey, we are still winning games with him in the lineup, though? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're 2-3-1 and one now without him, mm-hmm. including the game that he missed with uh, the facial injury. Yeah. So they're two, two and one without him, which means they were two, one and one without him before tonight. In the four games, he was a healthy scratch. In those four games, they scored 16 goals. So the argument that, well, the team struggled tonight because Andre Kuzmenko wasn't in the lineup, is is maybe convenient for some people, but it's not. It's not in touch with reality because the team has done just fine offensively. To, before tonight without Andre Kuzmenko in the lineup. Um, that said, you know, if they want to be their best team, obviously they need to get get him involved and have him be part of it. So the question is, how do you, how, how do you make that happen? And, and, you know, only Rick Tockett could probably tell us what, uh, what he has tried to do besides sitting him out. To, to make that happen, but clearly, clearly it hasn't happened. But listen, I, I, I get that, as I said a few minutes ago, everybody loves this guy. He, he's such a charming, um, disarming personality. He's, he's fun to be around. He's honest. Uh, he's earnest. I, I think he means well. I'm pretty sure he does mean well. I'm pretty sure he wants to do well. But it's it's not happening for for him on the ice right now. And and again, if you or I were coaching, well, probably the team's in serious trouble. But if if we were coaching, maybe we would do something differently. Yeah. But the coach that they have, who works with Kuzmenko every day, and by the way, let's not be naive about this either. You know, the Daniel and Henrik Sedin are on that staff. Adam Foote on that staff Mike Yo is on that staff this isn't this isn't uh, and any work talk it works for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Aldean decisions like this aren't in a aren't mm-hmm. in a vacuum it's not one coach being so exasperated he can't stand the look of a guy and he alone is making this decision to, to take him out there there will have been a lot of discussion among 
the organization at, at, to the top level and the coaching staff about what to do. And so far, this is where we are. But he's sat out for five games now. Uh, fantastic. And, uh, you know, the, the context on the games he's missed, very key. And it shows you how quickly it can change, right? Like, you can look at it and say 2-3-1 and one when he hasn't played, but... He was 2-2-1 two, two and one in the games he was healthy scratched. And before tonight, 2-1-1, one and one, and he scored 16 goals. And it's you know it's fun with small samples and how you can make numbers look sometimes. But context is very key. And as far as yeah, that... The, 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 sorry, Tim. No, no, it's okay. I'm just going to say the, the power play stat is just silly like because there hasn't been a big enough sample. Yeah. And they had they had one one power play tonight. Yeah. Did they have two? They, no, they I have one. They one. One. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to go back because I haven't. But I'm just guessing... The previous four games, there's a healthy scratch, whatever it is. If they score one more goal, it probably shoots the the power play yeah. rate to 28% from 18. Who knows? Yeah. I'm just saying, you need a bigger sample for that. But as far as the offense and how this team has played and how they've scored without him, this is the first time that they haven't scored at least three goals in a game that he uh, sat out as, as a healthy scratch. And you know, it was it was a 2-1 kind of game because of the way the Blues and the Canucks played. It was, you know, a tight-checking, tight-checking playoff-style game. St. Louis is not an easy out. They've been, they've been a much better team since they had their coaching change. But it makes it difficult on the Canucks because, you know, it's the longest trip of the year, and now it feels probably a little bit longer. And, and as well as St. Louis has been playing, or at least a lot better, that they've been playing uh, since their coaching change. This is now the the hardest part of of the schedule, even though there's no travel involved to play three out of four against the New York teams And New Jersey hasn't had a great season, but they also haven't lost to the Canucks at home in 10 years. They're just a a team that Vancouver has struggled against, uh, especially at the Prudential center. And the Rangers are the best team in the league and the Islanders have been playing a lot better. So it's tough now. You make it, you make it tougher on yourselves just as, as the Canucks at their season, you know, they had such a great start that makes, you know, the bumps in the road easier to take because Mm -hmm. you're playing, you're playing from ahead. You're playing from a position of strength. If you're just looking at the road trip, if you're looking at these seven games and how do, how do they find a way to get, you know, at at least seven points and and four wins. Let's say, if you if you can get eight points, that's a pretty good road trip. It, it gets it gets tougher because they've now dropped the first one. And I mean, they're eight two and two in their last twelve, but their more recent trend, uh, they're two two and one. So I mean, not that bad. But the two of the last losses were in the last three games, and I would say the Philly game was disappointing, one of the more disappointing games they've had so far this year. And I wouldn't classify the Blues game as one of the more disappointing games, but not where they needed to be. Does that create any bit of doubt in terms of their sharpness for the rest of this road trip? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I saw that that Quinn Hughes said after the game that they've done a good job of responding, and they have. They have. You know, it's been a while since they lost more than two two games in a row, and they've won an awful lot of games where they weren't their best, and they they've been a very resourceful team. I would agree with you, Sat, that this isn't a game like at the end of the year, and you look back at the the really bad games they've had, the stinker games, the 
the early loss in Philly, the, the and then the the sort of surprising no show on in the, in the rematch against Philly, then the loss against San Jose. You know, I don't think St. Louis is going to be in that category. This was a pretty a pretty even game. I know the fancy stats had it. You know, nat- natural stat trick had the Canucks with slightly more expected goals, but it was a really even game. And honestly, the difference is when Pareko had his chance, he scored post and in. When Zadorov had an almost identical chance in the first period, Bennington made a save. When Besser and Hoaglander, a couple of minutes apart, had the puck right in front of the St. Louis net, they missed the net. When Thomas had it in front of the Vancouver net, he he beat beat Demko, uh, blocker side. That's the difference. That's how hockey games are decided sometimes. We got a chance to see uh, Pew Suter uh, skate with JT Miller. Uh, something I wanted to see the experiment, and now we've got to see it. Uh, is it more about like the machinations of that top six, or is there something specific that you look at and say, like, all right, maybe, maybe this experiment is uh, – we got a chance to see it, but we don't need to see it again. Yeah, I, I actually thought – that was okay. I thought the the really bad experiment experiment was putting Lafferty back with Pedersen mm-hmm. and Mikheyev. I thought that line was 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 pretty poor tonight. Uh, uh, you know they got outshot quite a bit at at five on five. Uh, I thought you know the the Miller line wasn't great, but you know they still had chances. They generated chances. So uh, I think uh, I think Suter is better suited to playing center. And if that means playing on the fourth line, because Teddy Bluger is doing so well on the third line, then, then so be it. But I think what, what it is, is a couple of things. Uh, clearly they, they need more for their top six, even though they're leading the league in, in scoring that uh, the coaching staff hasn't settled on on regular lines there and and they keep trying to push guys up so they're looking for more uh from those groups and i think especially lately because Pedersen and and miller have not been as prolific as they were earlier in the year the offense is and they're still still generally getting points miller's at 50 points uh for goodness sakes but uh, they're not scoring at the rate that they did earlier and so those guys you know they they're trying to find ways to, to get those guys going. The problem is the best candidates to do that are playing on the third line. And to this point, Tockett has been unwilling to break up Dakota Joshua, Teddy Bluger, and Connor Garland, even though any two of those three you could put into the top six right now and and put them with other, you know, other, other line mates. I mean, how how good the, the way Dakota Joshua wins pucks on the forecheck and protects them and gets them to his line mates, how much more of the puck do you think Elias Pettersson might have if he had Dakota Joshua on, on his wing? Teddy Bluger is, you know, Teddy Bluger leads this team in scoring over the last nine games, it's, which is, just blows my mind. Yeah. But, you know, Bluger's playing really well, and he's he's – Kind of like uh, Suter, except maybe a little better at the moment. Like he's 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 just a smart player who always seems to be on the puck and in the right spot. 
And what he's shown in these last three weeks is that he can score as well. I, I think he would look really good. And of course, Connor Garland, as I've said before, he's basically a top six player playing on the third line. And he's doing that because that line's been so effective and Garland seems ideally suited to driving a line on his own and being the primary player on the line with the puck instead of having to defer and give it, you know, hand it off uh, and be a complimentary piece. He just seems to be better as a, as a focal point, but ultimately those three guys are all great candidates to go up the lineup. And at some point, maybe, maybe talk it decides that he's got to split up the lifeline and, and put somebody with some one of them with Pedersen and one of them, one of them with Miller. But I think as well, we should look at a bigger picture and, and just see all the wins that this team has had. First of all, the third line has been playing really well, but the team has won a lot of games. They've also scored a lot of goals. And even in this, in this spell where maybe now they've gone, as the British would say, they've gone off the boil again and they're not quite as sharp as they were before <laughs> Christmas, they're still, for the most part, they're scoring goals. So, you know, I don't blame the coaching staff for being wary of overreacting and changing too much, especially changing something like that third line that's been so good for them. Mm-hmm. No, I think that third line has to stay together, and uh, I would bet they will. They're the only line that scored again for the Canucks. And as you mentioned, Teddy Bluger leading the team in points the last nine games. What a swing it's been for him. Ian, great stuff as always. I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca and to our chat on Saturday when the Canucks are in Jersey against the Devils. And I'll be in Jersey to chat with you from lovely Newark. Yeah, well, yes. I, you'll be in Newark. I'm not sure if it's lovely, but uh, we... we, yeah. uh, we I, I actually might be back in Manhattan because I've well, discovered yeah. okay. that there's, you know, the New Jersey Transit has a pretty good service that can get me back to my hotel in time to write in comfort with the Eastern deadline. So Yeah, that's good. So that way, that ensures selfishly for us that we know we, we're going to get you on the postgame show for sure. So we look forward to yes. it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll definitely be talking to you on Saturday. I uh, love it. Great stuff as always, Ian. Thank you. All right. Bye, good Ian. Night, uh, that is Ian McIntyre. And as always, a presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at D-L-E. D-L-E amc.com It's Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar and that's the end of our program tonight. Canucks lose 2-1 unfortunately but we'll be back. You're with me on the on the pregame show on Saturday. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm getting called up. You're getting called up. Uh, Dan Riccio is also getting called up. I'm like Linus Carlson. That's like a dub, <laughs> double movement. Are we going to be mad that Riccio got healthy scratched? Or... <laughs> no, Riccio isn't being healthy scratched. Uh, Randeep's not being healthy scratched either, but Randeep has hockey night and Punjabi duties, so he'll be away on Saturday. So uh, that and he means... just got my ear saying Riccio's off the boil. <laughs> he is off the boil. Great, great, great phrase, by the way. Uh, so Riccio is doing color on Saturday alongside Batch, and Bik Nazar will be on pregame, intermission, and postgame with myself. And special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show. Great job, as always. Thank you for listening participating calling in a lot of competing in the inbox tonight love it fantastic we love it and uh, if we don't read your text rest assured we've read them and we try to get to them and we'll get to your text in the future we've been meaning to say this for a bit but you know over holidays you know we see a bunch of different people someone mentioned to me so i want to give a shout out to our guy eddie gregory the names on the pods here someone mentioned to me like hey 
very entertaining titles. Oh, yeah. So I want to give a shout out to our guy, EG, there behind the glass. Fast so, uh, Eddie Gregory. Putting in work. Man, he's... I keep forgetting since the, the 23rd, I keep forgetting to mention it. Well, yeah, man. He's got great titles. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it, it helps us massively with the podcast downloads. All right. Uh, thanks so much. We look forward to being back at it again uh, tomorrow as well. People show for Bick Nazar. I'll be back on Canuck Central with Dan Richo. Mailback Friday plus Yannick Hansen. And this has been the Canuck Central postgame show presented by the number five orange of Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. On the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.